Good morning and welcome to episode 794 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller, along with Ben Lindberger, 538. Hey, Ben. Hello. How are you? All right. A little sad about Bowie, like the rest of the world. Yeah. But otherwise, well. All right. Good. Well, now everybody knows where we stand on Bowie dying. That's right. Not not happy about it. No, against. Against, yeah. Amazing we made it this far into the show without having our position on his death known. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that all? Anything else? Yeah, that's probably it. All right. So I have a question for you. Did we ever talk about Bonds uh, as the batting hitting instructor for the Marlins? I don't think so. Not I, at length. I don't remember it either. I don't know why. I don't know why we wouldn't have. We might. Did we? <laughs> I don't remember saying anything about it. There's a lot of things we say on this show that I don't remember saying, but that's one of them. I also don't remember saying many things on this show. Like it, almost, almost immediately, I have forgotten what I've said. And yet, what's weird is that every once in a while, I will like episode 22 will be in my vision somehow, and I'll be like, oh, yeah. I, I'll listen to that, and I'll listen to it. And what's weird is that I am listening and in my head saying the next line. Not because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to say it, but because it's all the same brain <laughs> as it used to be, you know? Like, it's still my brain. And it's the same jokes. It's the same quote-unquote insights. At one point, you had, like, a subject modifier disagreement in your sentence, and it was just a totally pedantic little grammar weaselly thing that I was going to point out. <laughs> and I heard it, and I immediately thought of, like six words that I wanted to say to you in response. And then I said those exact six words. So uh-huh. I don't remember the things that I've said, but all the things that I've said, I would say again, probably. Anyway. Okay. So we can say something about Barry Bonds in that spirit if you want to. It's, it's going to be a disaster, right? <laughs> yeah. I The reason that I, 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 even if we had talked about it, I was going to bring it up again anyway, because the more I think about it, the more I just don't see any path to this working. Mm-hmm. And partly it's because, well, I think that there are two things that define Barry Bonds' surliness. And you can argue about whether it is justified surliness, whether it is a rational response to the absurdity of those around him, or whether he's a jerk. And people have opinions, and uh, and they will have opinions. But I think that even if you, uh, even if you think that his surliness is... Um, is fine and not and, and you know at at worst uh, morally neutral. I think that you can still define it basically in 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 two ways. One is he does not suffer fools, and two is he does not like to be asked to do things. He is very happy to do things, but he doesn't want to be put upon to do things. And so the not suffering fools part of it. I think uh, that mainly is how you uh, is what you saw in his relationship with reporters. I, I think that it is there are there are obviously some great beat writers out there, there are great columnists out there, there are great baseball writers out there. uh, And they do an important job. But for the most part, I think, you know, on, you know, honestly, bluntly, and uh, this was probably even more true, some years ago, maybe it wasn't, but the pack of reporters that follows you to your locker is, you know, not exactly titans of either literature or the sport. They're people who uh, like baseball and so do this for a job. They're not, you know, they're not the greatest in the world at it. They just, they're willing to do it for money. 
right? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. kind of the nature of most people doing jobs. And I think that Barry Bonds was a titan of the sport, knew things about the sport and knew certainly things about the team and the people around him and himself, most of all, that they could never know. And I think that he had a very hard time disguising his impatience with people who would uh, ask him dumb questions or view the game on a level that was, you know, four or five levels lower than he was operating on and that he was, you know, really interested in talking about, right? Right. So doesn't suffer fools and then doesn't like to be asked things. I mean, we hear all the time about what a great kind of informal hitting instructor he is with teammates or when he, you know, comes back and visits the Giants. And I, you know, I think that he probably is able to, like, I bet he could take any hitter, just about any, any raw hitter and improve them in two minutes of work, at least improve them marginally by pointing something out or telling them something. I'm sure he has great wisdom stored in his brain, but I just don't get the feeling that he wants to be ever told. Now you have to go talk to that guy and make him, I think he likes to do it because uh, it comes out of his generosity of, of, of his spirit or whatever, uh, and not because he has to. And I feel like what always drove Bonds was internal, that he was very internally driven uh, and, uh, and was never playing for a boss. And to be in a position like this, which is an extremely subordinate position, this is, mm-hmm. not, this is not his island. He, is, he has multiple levels really coming from different directions of oversight uh, and uh, it's hard. It's just hard for me to imagine anybody above him is going to feel comfortable coming to him and telling him what he has to do next. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to imagine that he's going to be comfortable with any of them doing that if they do. So those are the two challenges. And I think that it could, if it were going to work, it would be in an organization other than the Marlins, uh, where. I think that anybody who is around that organization can quickly see that it is run by fools. It is run by a fool. It yeah. is it is not a well-run organization. And yeah, probably I mean, could have just said because it's the Marlins, and that's as good a reason as any to think it won't work. Yeah, well, that's that's the the primary thing. If he were working for, like, I could see it working really well, for instance, and you know, partly because of the personal connection, but well, maybe the maybe it wouldn't be good. The, the Nationals have their own issues. Uh, with ownership and management. But like I could see if, you know, if Dusty Baker were his manager and Dusty partly because he knows Dusty and partly because Dusty is very laissez-faire, I could see that working. There are teams I could, I would entertain the idea that it could work really well, uh, but the Marlins uh, are not that. And everybody who seems to be around the Marlins, particularly at that kind of level of oversight, the Marlins go through hitting instructors a lot, but they go through managers a ton too, like more than any other team, I think. And so it's already not a great scenario. I also think that as a slight tangent from this banter, it really, I don't think we've really talked enough about how crazy the Dan Jennings thing was. And, <laughs> yeah. and not not so much crazy, the idea of it, like of the not not the implementation of it so much as him getting fired and leaving the organization after this. Because you're either you either put him in there because he like the only reason you put your GM in the manager's chair is if you really want a GM that you can relate to, that you can talk to, that will be your right hand, that you want to have your extremely loyal lieutenant in that position. And it is a leap to do that because no other team does that. 
Uh, they always have an independent manager, but you do it because you want to have a not independent manager. And if you want to have a not independent manager, you want it to be the guy that you love, that you that is as loyal to you as anybody will ever be, uh, and that is thinking along with you at all times. And the idea that not only that, that they put Dan Jennings in and he could only make it 100 games and then he was out of the organization entirely <laughs> means that either means that either Loria is so hard to work with as a manager that even his most loyal lieutenant couldn't handle it. In which case, what chance does Don Mattingly or anybody else ever have? Or uh, that Jennings and Loria were never that close, in which case... Why would you put him in that position? Like what, in what way does that decision make any sense if he's just a GM that you're kind of cool with and not much more than that? It's like one way or the other. And that's really the story of all the Marlins, managerial hirings and firings. You don't know whether it's that they're really bad at hiring people or if they're really bad at managing good people once they've hired them. But if you fire managers this frequently, you are doing one or the other, if not both, but certainly one or the other very, very poorly. And Dan Jennings is the maybe the most like unignorable example of that. Yeah, I do still think it sort of, uh, we talked when, when it happened about whether it would be any kind of referendum on whether this would work or whether non-players can be managers. And I do think if you had to draw a lesson one way or the other from that experience, you probably would say that it can work because it did work. I mean, there was some dysfunction in the Marlins clubhouse, which came out after the season, but you'd sort of expect some dysfunction in the Marlins clubhouse, no matter who's running it. And it wasn't so bad that, that the team rebelled or rioted or fell apart or went on strike or anything that they played better or at least one at a higher rate than they had with Mike Redmond there. So it wasn't a complete catastrophe. It was really strange and maybe emblematic of the Marlins' weirdness as a whole, but it was sort of a success in that people forecasted a catastrophic failure, and it wasn't one. No, I, I agree. It, the lesson is definitely that you could do this, I think. Now, mm-hmm. if, the, if there was an issue that... I mean, this is obviously a sample of one, uh, so or an N of one, so we don't really know whether this applies to every time that a team might possibly try this in the future. But if there is an example of it being irreconcilably impossible, I don't know why I didn't just say irreconcilable, <laughs> then it was not can the non-ball player executive come into the club into the dugout and lead 25 men on the field in roughly the same way that um, you know an ex-player who was not in the front office could. Because you're right, he answered that it was more or less normal-looking baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question is whether it worked, wh- whether the there was something about putting the GM in the dugout that made it impossible for the manager to work with the owner. Because that's really where it fell apart. It fell apart with Jennings and Loria fighting over Marcelo Zuna. And I don't know whether that issue would have come up regardless of who was in the managerial uh, seat uh, or whether there is something about being the GM that creates, I don't know, like a, a different power dynamic where, you know, the GM is going to be, the GM who becomes the manager is going to be very sensitive to being seen as a pawn of the owner the GM is also probably in some ways going to feel 
more power to push back against the owner because these are his guys. This is not a, a group that has been handed to him and he's been told, hey, make it work. Rather, he has actually gone out and acquired all these players. They're the first, he's their first contact uh, yeah. and he knows them better than anybody. And uh, so basically directing that guy, the GM guy, who's now the manager guy, to bench one of your nine best players because the owner doesn't like him and or wants to cost him a few million bucks down the line, uh, maybe that was impossible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen other men, like we, you know, the, it's not any different. It, it, it's, it's not really any different than the Cubs keeping, you know, Chris Bryant down. And, you know, we didn't see Joe Madden revolt about that. And it's not really any different than, you know, any other examples. Although it is different in some ways because uh, Ozuna was by that point an established major leaguer. So maybe the, com- I mean, it, Maybe it was different, but we don't really know. We don't know how another manager would have handled it, but uh, that's where it broke down. And you can see the GM owner uh, relationship being very fraught when you give the GM sort of extra power uh, as a manager or arguably when you take away some of his his power. Was it now we still I don't know that we still know whether it was a demotion or a promotion. Yeah, maybe they don't know. (laughs) Maybe they didn't know. I don't think it has been totally explained. If it's a demotion, then it makes even less sense because that's a pretty important position. And if you're willing to demote your GM because you don't like him, then you probably should just fire him, not demote him to an extremely important and extremely visible position. So yeah. I still think I still think of it as a promotion, even if the GM technically outranks the manager. I think of it as promotion, and my guess is that Jennings. My guess is is that Jennings was like, "Yeah, this is awesome. I get to wear a uniform." <laughs> Yeah, I, it's free gum. I don't know. I would guess he served somewhat reluctantly. You think had, so? Uh, had misgivings. Anyway, back to Bonds for a second. He did an interview last month with Barry Bloom at MLB.com, and he sounded, I wouldn't say ambivalent exactly, but he sounded very aware of how likely it is that this won't work. <laughs> like, Really? Uh, tell, me, tell me more. Bloom said, so it sounds like you're ready for it. And Bonds said, I'm going to try it out. Give it my best shot. I'll see. By about July, I might no longer want to do it. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he says he's excited, but he also says he didn't want to do this. It wasn't like a goal of his to coach. In fact, he's said in the past that he didn't want to do this full time. He doesn't want to be on the plane and be in hotels all the time and be away from home and all that stuff. But Loria called him and then like... Bonds' mother helped talk him into it. So it sounds, he says he's very excited, but he also sounds like it was not remotely his idea and he sort of got talked into it. And somewhere on some level, he, he knows or he thinks about this the way that we're thinking about this, which is, it's kind of cool that it's happening, but it's not going to work. <laughs> so. he, d- he doesn't have any experience with Loria that we know of, right? No, I don't think so. I wonder why, I wonder how you talk Barry Bonds into like leaving his home and working for you for eight months at money that means nothing to him. Like what do you, what did they, what did they promise him? I think he says, well. Oh, this is weird too. Donnie called and said he had followed my career. So that he doesn't even know, (laughs) he doesn't even know Mattingly. Right. Followed it. Yeah. He followed my career. I've heard of him. against each other a lot. (laughs) They didn't, did they? Well, I guess, I they, mean, they played, they were contemporaries. They were contemporaries. I guess they but, didn't play yeah. against each other at different leagues. But 
Donnie really impressed me when he uh, he knew who I was. <laughs> told me he he knew that I he you know he knew about the home run record, which I'm really proud of. Uh-huh. That really impressed me a lot. He'd done his research. Yeah, Loria came to me. He wanted me. <laughs> he asked me what it would take because we thought you would work good with our kids. Loria said he wanted to win. <laughs> That's a great quote, by the way. Loria said he wanted to win, but he wants to put together a good team first. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean, Ben? Well, maybe he's referring to the coaches. He wants okay. to put together a good team first, good coaches, so he so can he put, put together the- a championship. So that's all it takes, I guess. So it sounds just uh, sounds about like what you'd think it would sound like. It helps. Jeffrey Loria, he told me, Barry, when you think about it, you have so much to give the game. You have so much to offer to baseball, and you can teach these kids. So a little flattery. Yeah, I guess that is what you do. I mean, you could, you can't really, I don't think you can really offer him anything physical. So you can either give offer him respect or redemption. And right. I guess, I mean, it helps that Mark McGuire has sort of paved this path. I mean, you know how it used to be that like, uh, well, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Hugh Grant and his sex scandal in 94, 95? I, I don't remember it at the time. I, I know about it. So after that, it just, for years, it was just, it was almost um, like a, a joke that anytime someone had a scandal in their lives, that the model that you follow is Hugh Grant and you do whatever he does and then you show up on Leno uh, and uh, and like you, Leno is your big redemption moment. And McGuire is kind of, is kind of that, right? You kind of expect to see, I would sort of expect to see a, a lot of the tainted PED guys trying to find ways uh, into the game this way uh-huh. because it is a way to change the conversation about yourselves. And more than anything, you know, old, like once you get older, it, as long as you stay visible when you're older, uh, it's much easier to rebuild that respect. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it and didn't help McGuire in Hall of Fame voting if it that was something he was thinking about, but it didn't help. Helped, in, yeah, helped in some other way. Yeah. So, so yeah, you can pr- tell him that he can do good for kids. You can tell him that it will change the way people see him and talk to him. I guess, but I don't know. Neither I. Neither I don't know what Barry Bonds is interested in doing beyond age fifty-one. So I don't know how to get him there particularly. He likes cycling. Yeah, I would think that Barry Bonds would want to be like alone. Uh, you don't get the feeling that, like, the, what you're, what they're offering him is a way back into baseball, and it doesn't seem like that was a world that he ever really wanted to be in. Particularly, he wanted to hit baseballs, but you never got the feeling that the the community of baseball was one that he felt valued him or that he particularly saw as as valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, the community around baseball. Yeah. So it's kind of odd. It helps that I know so many of the coaches. Timmy Wallach, I've known forever. A lot of guys I've either played with or against, had dinner with, had some laughs with. That makes it a lot easier. Is it possible that Barry Bonds just doesn't have any friends? <laughs> like, seriously, like, I'm sincere. Like, is it possible that he's just doesn't really have friends and that this is a way that he can have human interaction with people who are not being paid by him? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Do you ever see Barry Bonds? What do you ever see Barry Bonds in public with people? Rarely. He, I mean, he, he ate the frozen yogurt, and <laughs> and then that one time with Kim and Kanye, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah, well, there was that long ESPN story about his cycling and how he was sponsoring that cycling team, and he has a girlfriend, right? I mean, it sounded like he 
has a fairly full life in that profile. Uh, maybe he put forth his best picture of his life, but it didn't seem like he was unhappy in that piece. I kind of want to honor my dad for what he did. His dad was a hitting coach, so it could be somewhat related to that, right? Mm-hmm. Honor my godfather for what he did. Was, was Willie Mays, did Willie Mays ever coach? The Mets offered Mays a coaching position upon his retirement. Yeah, I think that he did. When he was uh, promoting that casino, the commissioner told him he could not be both a coach and uh, at the same time work at the casino. And so he uh-huh. chose he chose to terminate his baseball relationships. Okay. He's also on the Wikipedia page of New York Mets coaches. All right. Okay. So maybe that's part of it. If you had to pick a date in the pool or what, what's the percentage that he lasts the season? He's on a one-year deal, which probably is something he wanted, I would think. So what are, what are the odds that uh, he makes it through the year and that also that he comes back, that this is not a one and done? It's weird that they didn't just bring him in for spring training as a trial or something. And then, cause you know, he says in here, well, I could come in and work for a day or two, but then what happens when I leave and you know, they forget or whatever, but you could always like, it seems like you'd want to see him for a month in your organization before. Yeah. Uh, he's done that for the giants, right? But yeah, but not for yeah. the, Mar- not for the Marlins. And, mm-hmm. and like that was for a day or two, I'm sort of thinking six weeks, but uh, what's my date in the pool? What's first of all, let's establish what's your date in the Don Mattingly pool? <laughs> That's a good question too. I'd guess he makes it one season. So do you think he'll be the opening day manager in 2017? How long a contract did he sign? Not that it matters that much really. Yeah, but, I don't know. But it was a, a fairly long deal, I think, maybe. I think he will be. Uh, yeah, I do too. So I'd say Mattingly, I'd go... Uh fired after 2017 or quits in frustration after 2017 bonds i will say um june <laughs> june 15 uh-huh. <laughs> okay so half a season ish not even quite his mom also seems to have been a factor yeah uh, and also flattery you might be one of the best teachers who ever lived <laughs> she's not saying you might be like you're definitely in the top 10 you might be in the top five she's saying you won't know if you don't try it yeah so there's the mom factor i don't know it's it's really i'm gonna actually change mine i'm gonna say he doesn't make it out of spring <laughs> and i'm not like i don't i don't I, that sounds like i'm saying you know barry bonds ah Barry Bonds can't we can't even make it out of spring. I just don't think he's going to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I don't think that anybody's going to enjoy it if he's not enjoying it. And so it just becomes a very rational decision to end it when he decides, oh, okay, not for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it kind of hurts the Marlins if they have to hire a new hitting instructor on March 30th, but not that much. Yeah. They already have Frank Manichino. <laughs> he's also a hitting instructor. Yeah, I'm still reading this interview. Anyway, sleeper sleeper best story of the offseason or weirdest. Yeah, I'm glad it's happening. It'll be interesting one way or another. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great quote. I'm going to try it. Give it my best shot. By July, I might not want it. Who knows? Yep. <laughs> I'll bring my bike with me. <laughs> 
It's always what you want to hear from your new hires. I don't know. Ho- hopping on a plane, getting in at three or four in the morning. I don't know how I'm going to cope with stuff like that. <laughs> I go to bed early. Me being at work at eight o'clock in the morning. I don't give a darn about that. But the hotel stuff every single day. Interesting. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to do it either. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> this is not for me. It's for them. This is not for me. It's for them. Is mm. the them the, the players or it's everyone we've mentioned? Not clear. Yeah. I, I, get, I think it's probably the players. Yeah, okay. Huh. I'm not going to be in the press, which is generally a part of the job, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stay in my box. I'm not coming out of my box for anything. I'm not going to do anything else. Running, hitting outfield. I'm probably the best at all of those things there. I think Ichiro <laughs> might have more hits than me. What is this now? What is he talking about? He just randomly starts talking about how part. he's the best at everything. But but other than that, I'm not coming out of my box for anything. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know how. I wish there was a way to see how it's going better than we're going to find out, right? Well, we found out when the the Tino Martinez hitting coach era crashed and burned. We found out about that. Mm -hmm. So after the fact. Okay. I mean, it seems like they've already, like the, it's January 11th. They haven't even reported yet like Barry Bonds has so far as I I know literally not started the job yet right he's still probably at home and he and Manningly are already upset at Loria or seem to be upset at Loria for trying to get rid of Marcelo Zuna this is the quote from Nick Cafardo at the Boston Globe up to 10 teams have inquired and or have serious interest but Marlins executives are getting pushback from new hitting coach Barry Bonds and manager Don Manningly feeling they can shape Ozuna into a 30-30 performer. And so it's already, I mean, like, this is what made me think about this again, is like, I'm trying to envision, based on what we know about Barry Bonds, which is admittedly limited, although not that limited, but based on what we know about Barry Bonds, it's hard for me to even imagine this scenario ending without, like, somebody quitting you know like eat well unless Loria doesn't trade Ozuna like like Loria could could consent could concede could not trade Ozuna but if he does don't you just imagine that Barry Bonds is gonna go what I told him not to why didn't he listen to me <laughs> yeah what a right. fool like I I told him he shouldn't and he still did he must be an idiot or hates me and so like it already just feels like a small thing like this well, not that small, but a smallish thing like this, you just don't really necessarily see the examples from the world's interactions with Barry Bonds of conflict resolution, you know? Uh-huh. So I don't know. Like, well, if have you're you... going to work for Jeffrey Lurie, I mean, it's the, he has the best known track record of any MLB owner or almost anyone in baseball. So I, I, what do you expect going in? Do you still think that you're the person he's going to listen to and it's going to be totally different now? It would be really hard to convince myself of that if I were going to work for the Marlins. Like Barry Bonds would have days where he would talk to the media, where he would be very, very verbal. And he, uh, you know, he'd come in, he'd give great quotes. He would still have sort of scorn in his voice, but the scorn, like he was you know, the scorn was almost charming and he almost seemed charmed by how much he hated them and all that. And so if you caught him on the right day, 
you could uh, you could work with him or, you know, you could at least put a tape recorder in front of him. And it sort of feels like like my, like the, I'm sure this is not how it is. But the vibe that you get from this whole thing is that Loria caught Bonds on the right day. And Bonds is like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And now he doesn't necessarily know how to get out of it. Yeah. And <laughs> like it's like, oh, yeah, that Jeffrey Loria and that Barry Bonds. And I don't know. It's a lot of speculation about a personnel decision that hasn't even begun yet and that we don't really know. But like it just you just couldn't pick two people on either side who you would think it would have less chance of working, right? Like there's <laughs> there's no there is no player that like if you would said okay, who would be the last player you would pick to work for you if you were a GM? Maybe it wouldn't be Bonds cuz maybe you'd say he knows the game better than everybody else, but it probably would be Bonds. He's up there. And if you had to pick one owner that you would absolutely not want to work for, it would be Loria. Yes. And they've put them together. And like, it's not even like, it's not a reality show. It's not like, you know, some sort of weird thought experiment that someone put together. It's real life. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to imagine it working. I guess I've said that phrase a bunch, but like, it's, I'm not, I'm not hoping it doesn't work. I'm not mad at anybody. It's just hard to imagine it working. Like realistically, I can't see it. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be fun to watch it work. It should be fun. Yeah. One way or another. And I, I mean, it can't be just a publicity stunt because it's not like anyone's going to buy tickets to a Marlins game to try to catch a glimpse of the hitting coach in the dugout. So it must be. I mean, it it made the Marlins news for a few days in the offseason. Mostly people saying this isn't going to work like we are now. (laughs) So I don't know what the PR value to the Marlins from this is. So presumably Loria thinks this is a good baseball decision, but he reverses his baseball decisions very quickly. All right. So so we've got the dates in the pool now. The the next, the second final question in the pool is with whom will his relationship break down to the point that the change gets made? Will it be Bonds and Loria? Will it be Bonds and Mattingly? Will it be Bonds and the players? Will it be Bonds and the public eye? I guess Bonds and Mattingly, just because he's kind of his immediate supervisor in a sense. And so if Bonds just checks out right away and isn't putting much into the job, then it would probably be Mattingly who has a problem with him first. Mattingly seems super chill is the one yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. And he's dealt with lots of clubhouse issues during his time with the Dodgers and dealt with them well, as far as we know. So I, I guess if you're if it's the Marlins, probably Loria is always the, the yeah. best answer. <laughs> I think so, too. All right. Okay. All right, send us some emails, podcast at baseballprospectus.com. Join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild. You can rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And you can support our sponsor, The Play Index, at baseballreference.com. Use the coupon code BP when you subscribe to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We'll be back soon. Oogie waits for just another day. Drags his bones to see the Yankees play. Oh, 
Dreams by tops and flickers gray Oh, they slip away 